0: Hello and welcome to what is my podcast about podcast where we get together on a basis of once every two weeks to talk about various topics to see if that's what we want to base our podcast on. I'm hosting this week's episode, me, myself, Matthew, and as always, I am joined by Keith.
1: Hey, hello. And Peter. Hey there.
0: So how's it going, guys? It's been, well, I can't really say it. Approximately
2: been... a fortnight. <laughs> uh... cool. Since we last recorded, but not since we've last spoke. Yeah,
0: since we last spoke, it's been about a day.
2: It's just because we're such great friends, right? Yeah, sure. That's why. It's not like we had something we had to do together. Kill a man. But which one? You'll never find out. Yeah, we disposed of all evidence. You'll never figure out who we disappeared.
0: (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Oh, fuck. Uh, so speaking of yeah. killing
1: people, we got the trailer for Welcome to Raccoon City.
2: Oh, that show looks fucking hype. Or movie. It's a movie, right? It's not a series?
1: Yeah, it's a movie.
2: Okay, yeah. It looks fucking hype as hell. Like, I know we talked about it back when we first got the casting details released. Uh, and I think we all kind of gushed a little bit about the casting choices because the people they've cast to play specific roles... I think are fantastic fits for the roles they've got. Like the guy they've casted to ca- uh, play Wesker or fucking Billy Birkin, uh, yeah. both of which are fucking fantastic actors for the role they've given. Yeah,
1: Tom Hopper uh, and McDowell specifically in that order. Yeah.
2: And now that we've actually seen some fucking footage of it in the form of the trailer, uh, I think it looks great. I think that sh- movie's going to be fucking phenomenal.
0: And I got to d- say, I think I prefer that second trailer that you guys showed me. The one with the very out of place music in the background. Oh, okay.
2: that, Oh, that the North not... American version as opposed to the international version? Yeah. Yes. Where it's four Blonde singing What's Up? Yep. Uh, yeah, it fits very well with the idea of Resident Evil. <laughs> What's going on? Well, I think the. O- Sorry, go ahead, Keith. I
1: say, Resident Evil's like, it's a very camp series, and I feel like the people that get upset are the ones who take it too seriously when it was just an homage to, like, you know, those old cheesy zombie movies, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that the movie looks like it's missing is Mila Jovovich. (laughs) I think the one thing it's absolutely uh, (laughs) blessed for the lack of is Uwe Boll, but I do think it could benefit from some Mila Jovovich. (laughs) Eh, A little
0: skeptical on that front, but we'll see how the movie plays out when it's released later. Uh, Do we have a release date for that yet?
1: I believe it's November 26th.
0: Okay. It's
2: coming up. Yep.
0: Not too far away. Unfortunately, out of Spooktober,
2: perhaps for the best. Years. We can keep we can keep the spook going all year round.
0: <laughs> Spookvember.
2: And then in December, they unfortunately find the evidence that we did a poor job of hiding, and that's a whole new spooky experience we have to go through of the Canadian legal system.
1: Uh, also, sure. in some uh, Resident Evil news uh, as well. Uh, the Resident Evil 1 board game is going to be going live on the 26th, I believe? Yeah, the 26th. Uh, So a week and a day from when this goes live. And uh, they've already showed off quite a few things. And a lot of people were upset when the board game got announced because they used words like describing it like betrayal and house on the hill. Uh, When in fact, it's just randomly generated scenarios. The scenarios are yeah, all there. It- the objectives are the same, but you... Don't know what the layout of the map is until you actually play.
2: Uh, yeah, part of that is on uh, whoever made the Betrayal-like description, but also part of that is on people for reading into that kind of thing. What they wanted to say was that there are mechanics that are similar to mechanics from Betrayal, but that does not mean the game itself will play at all like Betrayal. It's just the procedurally generated map is what they were trying to reference. Also, it was Polygon. Polygon's the one
1: to put out the article. Oh, of course. Fuck polygon.
2: But also don't fuck polygon. It's just a shape and that's not really anyone's fault.
1: I mean, there's a lot of shapes in there.
2: Yeah, I just mean like a polygon is a type of shape. And another zombie
0: related news. Uh we recently got the release of uh the game Back for Blood by the game devs Turtle Rock.
2: Uh Left for Dead Four now or something like that? Well Except not it, exactly yeah.
0: not Left For Dead because of like copyright issues or such, but essentially the spiritual successor, since they weren't allowed to continue Left For Dead, they're like, Yeah, well let's just make our own Left For Dead because you know we with created Black, Jack it. And hookers. We'll just continue it. So yeah. uh,
1: just to confirm this is Left For Dead with zombies, Left For Dead with Aliens, Left For Dead with Ghosts, Left For Dead with rat demons, or Left For Dead where it was alien zombies?
2: Uh zombies. Oh, okay. Yes,
0: except in uh, Back for Blood, they are called the Ridden,
2: I think. Uh, Ridden as in we got rid of them, or Ridden as in we're riding around on these things? I could go for either, honestly.
0: I think riding around, because I think the infection has something to do with worms. Because whenever in the cutscenes they kill the zombies, there's a bunch of worms in the blood also. Like some sort of. I am replay.
2: aware of the fact that I asked that question, but that was not a detail I needed to be told about. <laughs> huh,
0: that doesn't sell you on the game?
2: <laughs> nope. For some reason. <laughs> I can't see why.
0: And this is one of those odd situations where I'm the one who has the game, and uh, both the horror connoisseurs don't have it.
2: See, I'm a horror connoisseur. What I'm not a connoisseur of is relying on three other people to get through a game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, the Left 4 Dead franchise I never thought is it scary. It's more of just an action shooter with zombies. Yeah,
2: it's scary in the same way that the zombies mode of fucking Call of Duty was scary.
3: Mm.
0: And uh, Back for Blood still carries on that Left 4 Dead trend of being more action-oriented, <laughs> but uh, it certainly has... Upped its game in the atmospheric department for some considerably spooky locales that you're trying through.
1: Well, the important yeah, question Matt is: Can I go up to a bottle of pills and just scream pills forever?
0: Uh, I haven't tried. But the other can, question: You can ping items and gear, and your character does call them out. So maybe.
2: Uh, the other question is: Whose blood are you back for? Or are uh... they back for your blood?
0: That is something I'm going to have to keep playing to find out. I will get back to you on that later.
2: Okay. I did not expect that question to end in a mystery, but I suppose that's on me for Assuming believing. Assuming that I've
0: already finished the game?
2: No, just for having a childlike wonderment and belief in society.
0: Uh, or enough. any sort of expectation for me to perform?
2: <laughs> no, anytime I've had expectations from you, you've 100% fulfilled. granted it is very Mm. rare that i have expectations from you (laughs) but anytime i do you a hundred percent meet my expectations
0: Mm, challenge accepted must rectify this i've set the bar too high for myself
2: (laughs) the trick is i've set the bar way too low for you matt that's what's going on here uh
1: so some other uh video game news uh which is pretty interesting uh both Nintendo-related, funny enough, but we got the final DLC character for Smash Brothers.
2: Oh, right, yes, the latest Anime Swords Boy. Uh, I was one of the people who, when watching it live, saw the flaming Smash logo, and saw a single fucking cinder fall to the ground, and was like, no way! Are they actually gonna try and put Dark Souls into this? Like, how the fuck does that work? Uh, and then Mario... Picked it up and threw it at Sora, and Sora became a thing. Um Yep. It's Sora.
0: Yeah, um I'm not entirely upset about it. Like, it's not the worst character that they could have put in. I'm Yeah, it wasn't Waluigi. I, yeah. I just feel that there are plenty of other much better reps that they could have put in.
2: The see, the thing is I Realized I was more invested in this issue than I had any right to be, because I have yet to buy a single DLC character for Smash. (laughs) So I can't imagine why I was invested in who this final one was going to be. Um, the one thing I found funny is, uh, from the release trailer, they really made it seem like Smash was dying, like the whole concept was dying, all of the fighters were turning back into their fucking amiibos, because in this universe they're amiibos, they're not just normal toys, uh, that you're playing with. And, uh, Then all of a sudden Sora showed up and everyone came back to life. Which really makes it seem like the only reason Disney was on board with this was if they made the trailer make it look like Disney was saving Smash because Smash was Mm -hmm. dead.
1: Yeah, I went through a few character thoughts on that one too. Like when it first started and they started turning into statues, like, oh, are these crazy motherfuckers going to put Crazy Hand, Master Hand as a playable character?
2: I would be fucking into that
1: shit. And Uh, then there's the bonfire-esque thing. It's like, oh, Dark Souls.
0: Uh, I bet it's just Disney trying to get some little feelers out into Nintendo to get some more Nintendo IPs to use for their projects.
1: Uh, now, uh, there is a fan uh, fan theory that's pretty fun that came forth uh, because of all of this, and are you guys familiar with the Kingdom Hearts storyline?
2: Uh, that's That's a loaded fucking question if i've ever heard one
1: (laughs) i said do you not know everything i said are you familiar with it
2: (laughs) that's fair i am familiar
0: okay i know that there's keyblades that there's disney characters and there's things called hollowed or something
1: so peter might know this a bit better uh you know the part in the story where sora goes to sleep yep Well, someone noticed that the animation perfectly lines up with this trailer. So the fan theory for Kingdom Hearts lore is that when Sora goes to sleep, he's in the Smash world until he wakes up.
2: That is an interesting fan theory, but that does 100% imply that while within the canon of Smash Brothers, every character is an amiibo, Sora is never that case. It's him playing with a bunch of toys as a living fucking being, uh, and everyone else is just toys that acknowledges Sora. Yeah, uh, which is fun.
0: It just canonizes Nintendo as a part of Disney's world. And it just means Sora is trying to live out his childlike wonderment in his dreams.
2: That's true. Or it something. is technically a dream, so I guess we can accept that explanation. Yeah.
1: Of course, there's been a lot of people having fun with it, too, because obviously there's no Disney, like, the only Disney thing in this is the fact that there's the Mickey Mouse chain on the Keyblade. Like, none of the characters that are Disney characters are in it, which makes sense, because honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this was mainly a contract with Square Enix, and Disney didn't do much because Square Enix has equal rights to the character, right? But people looking at the background for the map, it's like, oh, yes, Sora on adventure with his good old friends, Tiny Raft because in the artwork on the actual game it's donald and goofy there (laughs) but they had to replace them clearly yeah uh and then the other interesting thing from nintendo is uh we're getting an add-on to the nintendo online system which is nintendo 64 games and sega genesis games
2: oh yeah i remember hearing about this
1: Yeah, and they're also making controllers for it, too, like they have with the uh, regular Nintendo and the uh, Super Nintendo, so you can get a little- Do you mean I'm
2: getting my fucking Sega Genesis Fishing Rod controller back? Is that a thing? Oh god, I hope.
0: Are we getting new versions of the old N64 controllers? Yes. Oh, hell yes.
2: Because
1: the other controllers have all been accurate to date, so I can only assume (laughs) that they're also going to have to send out a pair of like Mario gloves with this Nintendo 64 controller (laughs) that's going to fucking destroy your hand.
0: Oh my god.
2: Oh, I... I do, I'm I sorry, I'm to going down a... F- oh, I played
0: sorry. a lot of Mario Party, and I never had any issues with the controller destroying my hand. But maybe you weren't playing I was just, to
2: win. That's
0: maybe true. that's because I was tough as a kid.
2: <laughs> um, I'm just going down a whole on, full on fucking nostalgia trip, because I hadn't forgot, or I hadn't thought of that Sega Dreamcast fucking bass fishing controller (laughs) in years and then you mention the Sega genesis and the first thing that fucking pops into my head is that fucking controller oh i hope that's a thing
1: just a brief aside do you guys remember all those crazy like peripheral like collectible controllers that they would put that just had no right being a controller the one that always sticks out in my mind is the resident evil 4 chainsaw controller what it's uh, a chainsaw controller that's the size of a chainsaw and the buttons are all in weird spots so I don't know if you can actually physically play the game the way you're supposed to with this controller
0: weird I've seen plenty of third party like knockoff controllers like the Mad Cat's N64 controllers with adjustable side arms
2: <laughs> oh and like the turbo button which yes did something probably it I made you my... turbo it made it turbo, I you're right.
0: Made you more willing to spend money on it.
2: It also had a bright LED light that shined directly into your eyes. Yep. All good things. So one thing I want to mention briefly, I won't go into specifics because it's still within that window of could be considered spoilery, and if we're not making it the title of our podcast, then I really can't blame people for listening to the podcast. Uh, but I have seen Venom Let There Be Carnage. And I enjoyed it. I don't want to go into what happens, but there is a post credit scene that spoils some things going forward. So I recommend seeing it so you can understand all the ways the world is going to develop in the future. Interesting.
1: While we're talking about Marvel stuff anyways, there is some Marvel news that you guys probably haven't heard because it just came to my ears today. Oh? So apparently we're going to be getting, uh, there's talks anyways, of an Agatha Harkness series.
2: Oh, I did hear about that.
1: Uh, Whether that's going to be a continuation or a flashback, like prequel series, it's like nothing's known. It's just that they're in the process of looking into what that would be.
2: Yeah, I have to imagine it would be like a prequel series showing her development from like the fucking Salem Witch Trials to today. Um, Because they did a pretty solid job of writing her out of the MCO. I mean, I guess they kept her there just in case they want to bring her back. So, oh, I feel like there's room like for it to happen going forward. But
0: I feel if they want to do anything else with the character, then they have to start with something to define the character. So, some sort of this is about the character's past before they can go ahead with this is Agatha Harkness escaping from the prison that uh, she was put in.
1: To be fair, yeah. Agatha is not also like a straight villain in this uh, universe. She's like like a kind of that middle ground anti hero because she's been on both sides in the comics. Mm.
2: Oh yeah. Uh I don't think she's the villain, um, or anything like that. The one thing I think is if they're gonna bring her back and have her plot moving forwards, I think that's more likely to start in an MCU film just the way they left it off. Whereas to go back and establish her character better and show her motivations and her growth, that's the kind of thing that could fit in a series and take place before the events of Division. I mean, they could,
0: just looking at uh, the format of WandaVision, they could go with the same or similar concept, where it's Agatha still living her life in that prison, but then just having these idle conversations, talking about her past with the residents, and the residents just being like, yeah, okay, um, you're
2: crazy, can I go now?
1: It's just WandaVision again, but from Agatha's uh, point of view.
2: That would be interesting, considering how... Most of Agatha's perspective was watching fucking WandaVision, essentially. Yep. yep. I don't know. I, I'd be intrigued to see what comes of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then the other interesting thing is... Uh, do you guys like the Netflix Marvel shows? I do! Well, apparently there's a very reliable source that has uh, verified uh, that... Charlie Cox and the cast of Daredevil are getting a soft reboot in the MCU in some capacity, with no details on how that's going to work.
2: Uh, I stick with my fan theory of Charlie Cox as the lawyer who helps protect Peter Parker in No Way Home. I think, like, I know that's probably not what it's going to be, but uh, I would accept that as their way of uh, bringing him into the MCU.
1: Yeah, so what- I'm okay
2: with it if they don't bring the entire Defender series. <laughs> I enjoyed the series while I was watching it, But I understand that's a lot of fucking baggage to bring into the MCU, but to do a soft reboot with Daredevil, which was kind of very well accepted, at least the first two seasons, uh, I could see them bringing that in.
1: Well, what was confirmed was, uh, and again, this is uh, not an official release, but uh, the person who released the article is like, it's a very reliable source, uh, implying someone internal, but... uh, the statement stated that the characters, they're trying to get everyone back from the cast. And how it's going to work is, whenever they pop into the MCU, their experiences and relationships with those other characters in the show uh, exist. But there might be differences appearance and plot-wise.
2: Okay. I suppose it's their way of saying that the show is essentially canon, but uh, Marvel Studios reserves the right to make changes to have it fit better within the MCU.
1: Yeah, so it could be something as simple as, you know, maybe Elektra didn't die yet uh, in this version, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, that would be easy to do since they've, you know, introduced the multiverse.
1: Yeah. Also, they've already brought Elektra back after they killed her, so...
2: It's one of the things they like to do with Elektra. Yeah. Kill her off and then bring her back.
1: Or the hmm. other example is, say they do bring in Luke Cage, well, the actor that played Cottonmouth is also going to be playing Blade.
2: Yeah. So, a uh, simple enough thing where they can bring in the character and just not address the fact that Cottonmouth, or uh, Blade- the actor who's playing Blade also played Cottonmouth, because Cottonmouth looks slightly different in uh, this universe. Yeah, Mahershali is the actor thank you
1: (laughs) but yeah how far this extends it's not sure they didn't specifically say just daredevil but charlie clocks was named uh so i think it's fair to say that daredevil cast will probably be coming back in a capacity i kind of hope if it's everyone or just daredevil i kind of want everyone so even if that like i wasn't that i didn't hate uh what's his name something flynn that played uh, iron fist i didn't hate him that much but apparently he was hard to work with, and that's why he didn't actually work, actively learn martial arts or how to do the stuff properly.
2: God damn. Uh, one, so if they're bringing back the characters from, at the very least, Daredevil, that is great because whatever the name of the guy who played Foggy, uh, was fantastic. Yeah. Um, the other one, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio playing Fisk, that was another great fucking bit of casting so i would love to see him again yeah uh like any of the characters from specifically the daredevil i think were spectacularly cast and you're right i was a fan of most of the fucking defender series in general and a lot of the actors playing them so the more of them that they bring over the better i think it will be in the long
1: run yeah and some things we probably won't see come over just because of other issues for example rosario dawson playing night nurse Well, that same character already exists in the MCU being played by Rachel McAdams in uh, the Doctor Strange series. Yep. There can be
2: two night nurses. You never know.
1: (laughs) They're the same character.
2: Yeah. She got plastic surgery. (laughs) And then got it back so that they can swap back and forth which actor's playing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, uh, at the very least, I want the cast of uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones back. But uh, yeah, if... It's like, it's only the Daredevil cast or everybody. I want everybody.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I would love to get, at the very least, Luke Cage, if not his entire series. Uh, Because I also think he was pretty fucking good as Luke Cage. Uh, Uh, Don't forget Punisher is in there, too. Oh, right! Jon Bernthal! That was another fucking great fucking cast. Yeah, you're right. Uh, If the options are just Daredevil or everybody, my vote's for everybody. If we get to be a bit more selective, then I'd have a hard time writing up my specifics. That's fair. I could do it, but it would take some fucking time. Fair enough. And I don't want to take that time. (laughs) So just do it. Make the right choice, Marvel. Whatever that choice happens to be, I'll just agree. Whatever.
1: Uh, Now, I do have one more piece of information. Uh, Not anything Disney or video game related, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, Apparently, production on
2: Expendables 4 has started.
0: Really?
1: Yes.
2: I'm going to be honest, there was no need for an Expendables 2. I'm not even entirely sure there was a need for Expendables 1, but, uh... Okay.
1: Say what you want, I love the series. It's so I don't, stupid and great.
0: I don't dislike the series, I just think it's very stupid. It's a good shut-off-your-brain-for-some-action with some big name action stars
1: i mean it's pretty much just an homage to action movies and that's what makes it great like the 80s and like
2: that's true it is a modern it's essentially a modern retelling of fucking 80s action films
1: yeah and starring alone.
2: actors who actually starred in those 80s action films
1: <laughs> and someone who watched a lot of those 80s action films it's great seeing like how, how are they going to pull off this like you know uh bring it bring in a phrase or something like that or a one liner from another one right
3: yeah yeah
2: have they announced any actors that they're bringing in for Expendables 4? Because that's always part of it, is the new actors that they're including in the Expendables universe. Um, which I suppose if they've only announced that they're making it, they might not have revealed who else going to be in it. Well, Stallone was, always,
1: Stallone was always, I'm always making this. It was pretty much uh,
0: the thing, mm-hmm. right? Fair. So they still have Jason Statham.
2: Yeah, he's almost guaranteed to be in that.
0: Yeah,
1: as for cast, like it's, Pretty much limited to, like, you know, websites saying this is the cast list. Some of them say 50 cents in them. Uh, Some of them saying Andy Garcia, uh, Megan Fox. So it's all over the place. I think we'll need to wait until it's a bit closer to know for sure.
0: Yeah. Anything you see right now, take it with a grain of salt.
1: Well, considering what the Expendable series is, where it's just, like, all this, like, you know, fan fiction, essentially. It's, like, anything you see online could be easily coming from anywhere.
0: So... I was scared that we might have given away our topic a little bit earlier when we first started talking about this, because, you know, we led with a bunch of uh, news about Resident Evil, and we are talking about Resident Evil.
1: No way.
2: What?
0: Yes, I know. Crazy, isn't it?
2: Wait, is this why we've been playing Resident Evil together over the past couple days?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it it has. That is the reason.
2: I thought it was just because we're friends and we enjoy spending time together, but okay. Wait,
1: you guys were there. Yeah, we were just To clarify,
2: all. I meant I thought it was because me and Matt were friends and that's why we broke into your house and watched you play Resident Evil while you weren't paying attention. Oh okay, that makes sense.
0: I'm secretly judging you every time you walked into a wall or a door.
3: Tank <laughs>
2: to or- be fair, we're memeing about watching him play. I was absolutely judging him every time we walked into a wall or a door. <laughs> Less so him than more so the game physics though. Especially because yeah. there was always such great fucking lines from the NPCs anytime it happened, like Sherry Birkin opening the door for you and then the door physics glitching on fucking Claire. And Sherry be like, hurry up, Claire, we gotta go. It's just like, yeah, we do. Stop fucking glitching on the door there, Claire.
0: Yeah. And well, to be specific, we should probably clarify that we are talking about Resident Evil 2. I think we went through the remastered and I believe there are just well, judging from what you guys have said during the playthrough, there are some differences between the remaster and the original,
2: yep, yeah uh, you know. it feels less like a remaster and more like a remake. Let's put it that way. They tore down the gra- game and rebuilt it, and it has a lot of the a lot of stuff the same, but it changed enough for it to feel like a oh, whole new game that's following the plot of the original.
0: Yeah, Resident Evil 2. A short and dirty of the story is there's two different characters, the two different paths that you can play as, Leon and Claire.
1: Uh, uh, excuse me, that's Leon S. Kennedy?
2: Yes, Leon S. Kennedy and Claire. And Claire, uh, brother of Boulder Puncher Chris Redfield? Sister. Did I say brother? Yes. Uh, has the brother Boulder Puncher Chris Redfield? Uh,
1: not yes. yet, though. That's at least 10 years off at this point in the in
0: world yeah he's got the latent ability though <clears throat> but yeah essentially the gist of the game is uh leon kennedy's first day on the job at the raccoon city to police department and everyone is already dead
1: not everybody Marvin's still around
0: well no, no most people <laughs> And are he'll
1: never dead. die and elliot was no. alive when you entered the building
2: also technically it doesn't open up with leon having the awareness that everyone's dead it opens up with him stopping for gas
1: also brian learns is alive too when you enter the building
0: yes
2: he's just too busy fucking around with claire and sherry
0: and then claire's story is essentially she came to raccoon city to find her brother but instead finds a daughter i guess
1: and never asks anyone specifically where is chris
2: now mentions that she's looking for her brother, who it works for Raccoon Police Department. Doesn't even mention that he's a star or anything, or a member of stars or anything like that. Yeah. And then no one else mentions, "Hey, I've seen countless dead cops. Was it any of these people?" It's just Chris interacting with oodles of dead cops, and then telling Claire hasn't found her brother yet, but uh, he's sure he will find him eventually.
0: Yeah, I mean, like Leon and Claire both go to the city together. And uh, Claire says she's looking for his brother, he's a cop, and Leon says that he's a cop, (laughs) and he's just starting at Raccoon City. So you'd think that uh, Leon, going through the police department, and when they meet up again, it's like on opposite sides of a gate, Claire would ask, Hey, did you find anything about my brother? His name is Chris. And at that point, Leon would be like, Oh yeah, I read a message from him, He's, he's away doing something. Well even
2: better beach. than that is the opening fucking scene when Chris or not Chris sorry Leon goes into the back of the gas station sees a cop get fucking murdered by a zombie and then comes outside Claire says she's come here looking for her brother who is a cop and Leon makes no mention of the cop he just saw die it's fucking like why wouldn't you consider that as potentially the brother that she's looking for? Now, like,
0: Ooh, uh, can you describe your brother for me? Because he might have died in that gas station there. <laughs> you know,
2: he's got a neck gash about this big.
1: Uh, <laughs> now, to be fair, that guy wasn't Raccoon City Police Department. He was Arklay Sheriff's.
2: Yes, that's true. But at this point, I don't think she mentions that her brother yeah. works for Raccoon City. She says she's looking for her brother who is a cop. And calling a sheriff a cop is not technically accurate, but is not so far off that everyone would immediately be like, I know she's talking about someone different. Anyways, all I'm saying is, Leon doesn't really care whether or not we ever find Chris.
1: The other weird thing is, like, even when she does mention Chris, uh, the characters don't seem to react to it. The big one is uh, Chief Irons. (laughs) <laughs> it's like who are you claire redfield my brother's with stars he doesn't even like oh you're chris's sister or anything like that
2: no uh his reaction R- is he even fucking like...
1: pistol whips her yeah,
0: yeah. Like, he doesn't even mention stars or how he hates stars
1: also i just kind of realized something i it's never really come up uh so far uh, but by god does everyone that's like got a level of authority in the police department just hate chris because Wesker hates Chris, Bri- Brian Irons hates Chris, they go into it a bit more detail in the original game and the book adaption, but Brian Irons just fucking hates Chris, because he's like, oh, that fucking asshole, he's just a
2: smart ass and everything. I kind of agree. I mean, he's a boulder-punching asshole. That's
0: true. But yeah, so I guess we started with Leon's playthrough, Leon S. Kennedy's playthrough.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's some contradictions between which one should be canon A and B route, But most people agree that it's A. Leon, B. Claire, which Hmm. is actually flipped because the original one was A. Claire, B. Leon.
2: Yeah, Uh, which is what we did. We played through A. Leon, B. Claire.
0: Yeah, so Leon gets to the police department. He is uh, found, I guess, by Marvin, the last surviving police officer after another officer's poor, unfortunate demise to the hands of a zombie.
1: Which, Elliot's death makes no goddamn sense.
0: Yeah, no. He was attacked by a single zombie, yet somehow ripped entirely in half.
1: Yeah, they went through bone and everything.
2: Yep. Just, like, straight chop. He got fucking, uh... guillotined through the waist by a singular zombie. Yeah, the only way
0: I can see them playing that off is if they closed that shutter door that he was trying to crawl through and that just chopped him in half, but they didn't.
1: Or they like you find a document later on about Elliot being notorious for having weak bones.
2: <laughs> my skin's like literally my comes to bones the, glass. Comes to the conclusion that Leon or not Leon, sorry, Elliot was fucking perforated around the waist to make him easier to tear like some <laughs> fucking paper.
1: Yeah, it's definitely one of the weirder parts
2: of the game. Mm-hmm. In a perfectly normal game. Um, yes. so, so yeah, Elliot's dead, but he had a notebook explaining how to escape RPD uh, by collecting medallions from around the building.
0: Open up a secret passage in the building that was once a museum that no yeah, one we should... believed existed. But uh, or the passageway, I should clarify. That no one believed the passageway existed.
2: <laughs> yes, people did believe that the museum existed. That was not <laughs> controversial information.
1: This police station used to be a museum. No, it wasn't.
2: museum never
0: existed here.
1: It's always been the police station.
0: The police station doesn't
2: exist either.
0: <laughs> it popped up one day.
2: Um, it is important to note, just to help explain the situation, uh, the reason that the Resident Evil Police Department, or not Resident Evil, Raccoon City Police Department, uh, is full of weird puzzles is because uh the museum was originally designed by the same guy who designed the mansion from resident evil one uh which is yeah which is why there's all these weird puzzles about matching birds with sticks or something like that or taking scepters from statues in order to uh escape from this mansion not mansion police department
1: now, there's a few Fun. things here, but the, like the puzzles too. Like, I can understand no one solving the put the hand on the book and put it into the statue and it drops a scepter and you pull it out. I can understand that puzzle no one's solving. Someone should have solved that medallion puzzle years ago.
3: Yeah.
2: Someone should have solved it by fucking accident. If I worked in a place where there was a giant statue with wheels on the bottom that spun to show different symbols... I would, like, fiddle around with it during my downtime and just spin to different fucking combinations. Eventually it would just fucking pop open and hand me a medallion. Exactly. Yeah, because
0: there weren't all that many symbols on each of the wheels. Nope,
2: three, and uh, there's three rule wheels, and each had, like, I think, five options.
0: Yeah, so it wouldn't yeah, take long to brute force
2: them. Fucking 125 possible options. Yeah, more than if you're actively playing Resident Evil during a zombie apocalypse. You're probably not going to sit there spinning them all just to try and guess it. But, but if you're if bored you're... on a
0: slow day at work...
2: Yeah, if you work at a police department in like a city with like not a lot of crime on that ha- day, yeah, fuck it. Maybe spin it around and try out 25 options, and then fucking five days later, there you go, bing, bang, boom, you're done. Or even, you know, the night shift janitor.
0: Just dusting uh, the statue and accidentally
2: flips them all to the right combination.
1: I'm always dusting them and polishing them, yeah.
2: I It's my headcanon, uh, now that you mention it, that the janitors who work for the Raccoon City Police Department uh, have all solved all of the different medallion puzzles, <laughs> but are couldn't be bothered to actually put the medallions into that to find the secret passage to the basement. Also, another important thing to note, since we're fucking on this topic right now, no one in the fucking building has figured out how the secret passage to the basement works, but literally at the bottom of the secret passage is a gun upgrade for the gun that's kept in the STARS office. So what the fuck, guys? And the seat that the...
0: they're keeping the upgrade in is has the STARS logo on it, so it was put there by someone in STARS.
2: <laughs> but, so it's either one person in STARS, which, let's be honest, probably Wesker, uh figured this out and then refused to tell fucking anybody else and they're like nope secret passage doesn't exist i don't know what you're talking about which at that point i'm surprised why that wesker didn't just destroy the fucking medallions to keep anyone else from figuring it out
1: but also like if you think of this from another side of it getting to the secret compartment is actually very easy from the other side because it's the police mm-hmm. station parking garage where oh right yeah it's just a manhole cover
2: <laughs> yeah there's a manhole cover yeah. in the police station garage That you have to lift up and climb under.
1: Yeah, or the other one goes just into the sewers. Uh, Now, to be fair, this is behind a secret passage, I guess, with like a a shelf you have to move.
0: And still, the shelf is marked with yellow tape. Yeah. Someone knew what they were doing.
1: But there's just multiple ways this should have been solved from the other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although, if, if you think about it too hard, it gets worse because at the same time we have to consider that. The heart key opens up the uh, the office of uh, Chief Irons, but also opens up like two other rooms. I think one's an interrogation room, and the other one's like in, like uh, what's it? An evidence locker. So it's like that's a weird combination of things that open up with a key.
2: Yeah, it kind of implies oh, no. that the only person who's allowed to enter the invest or the interrogation room. Or the Evidence Locker is uh, Chief Irons. Or you could
0: look at it this way, where the only key you have access to that can unlock Chief Irons' room, his office, just so happens to be the only key you have access to as Claire, that can uh, open the Interrogation Room and the Evidence Room. But then but to again, sorry, the
2: door is emblazoned with a fucking heart, so I think it was always going to be the heart key that opened that door. Yeah. Then again, and those once two again...
0: rooms also make sense to open with the key to Iron's office because Iron's tampering with evidence or something and interrogating people.
1: Oh yeah, like it's just one of those things. Like if you think about it too hard in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like this is a weird choice, <laughs> but like for the sake of gameplay, yeah, Claire's the only one that needs to go in there. So you'd give her the key that makes sense for that and put mm-hmm. some of the doors in there.
2: This also comes back to this building used to be a fucking museum. So for all we fucking know, it's just Brian Irons came in and was like, ah, these doors are all locked by the same key. Too bad this is the one I want to be my office. I guess I'll have to keep the key for the interrogation room is what we're setting up in the basement. Which, why did, I, I guess they could have done some remodeling but it seems weird to me that the museum had an area that was kind of fucking perfect for an interrogation room. Um, but whatever. that, it, yeah. yeah. It was probably remodeling. Who knows? The world's a weird place, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least the world of Resident Evil is. That's not a stretch for me to say. Um. Yeah, so lots of fun puzzles in the police department.
0: So Leon spends a good portion of time running around the police department trying to find any answers whatsoever about how this all happened, why everyone's turned into zombies.
1: Yeah, the side A, you spend most of your time in the police station
0: itself. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and then you end up making your way to... Well, I was going to say through that secret passage, but... It doesn't actually bring you outside of the police department. It just brings you to, as we said earlier, the parking garage, which is connected to the holding cells, as well as the firing range or something like that? I forget what that other area was.
1: Yeah, you end up meeting with Ben, who's like, oh, I'll give you the parking pass to get out if you let me go. And you kind of hints that Brian Irons is an asshole and a villain.
2: Yeah. Uh, and then that doesn't get paid off because Ben is immediately fucking murked by the Uh, Mr. X.
0: And Leon never actually interacts with irons. No.
1: Uh, now, uh, there is something that happens here that I completely, like, I never thought about it, but obviously while we're playing through it together, I was paying a bit more attention. But when you first meet Ada, (laughs) when you're trying to get through the parking garage gate, that fucking dog gets
2: shot three different times. Oh, fucking dog killer Ada, where... Or, sorry, Ada Dog Killer Wong, where she shoots the dog that jumps on top of you. Uh, It doesn't die, so Leon shoots the dog. It starts growling on the ground, so Ada shoots it a fucking third time. Yeah, it's a great fucking scene. And it's not in quick
1: succession Um, either. It's like there's a pause between all of this while they're talking. (laughs) It's like the dog was a minor inconvenience to their conversation.
2: It is very fitting for the world, though, because of the fact that so many zombies that you kill... Don't fucking stay down, especially if it's your first time playing through and once a zombie falls to the ground you just kinda walk past it. If that's how you're going through the game, then that scene is very fitting because zombies do just kinda keep getting back up and no matter how many times they're fucking knocked down, unless you take make the point of destroying their fucking head, so also
0: I'm pretty sure for the zombie dogs anyway, wasn't it just three handgun bullets in gameplay? that killed a zombie dog?
1: Uh, Depends on the mode you're playing on, but yeah, more often than not it's... dogs, uh, their whole thing is not that they have a lot of health, they're just harder to hit because they move so fast.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Fucking dogs. But yeah, we meet Ada, who uh, declares herself to be an FBI agent, and that's a perfectly believable sentence, so we all accept it and move on.
0: She flashes a badge, and uh, Leon S. Kennedy believes it immediately.
2: Can you blame him, though? I mean... He so charismatic.
1: That's also his first date. He's very naive.
0: Oh yes, he hasn't learned the ways of raccoon city yet. But he's about. That being said, be he has
2: continues on his path. He has proven his skill for solving random fucking puzzles. Because at this point, he has solved a great number of puzzles, such mm. as unlocking his own desk, where uh, which has been locked with locks, uh, where the password is the initials of his coworkers.
0: Yes, that puzzle I can somewhat understand because it was his co-worker's way of forcing him to get to know them.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, other puzzles, such as the medallion one, a uh, little bit stranger. We also find out that like Leon is a surprisingly competent like electrical engineer at this point too because. He keeps just fucking around with random electronics and making them work with the l- gentlest of touches.
0: Somehow, a master tech- tactician or planner, also, because yeah. he devises a way of like, hmm, the only way to get this box of the electrical <clears throat> component that I need to activate the circuit board downstairs to turn on the power, I have to fix these gearboxes for the bell in the bell-, bell tower so I can activate the clock. Ring the bell once, the bell will break because of how old it is, and it will knock over the precarious board that this particular box I need is sitting on. (laughs) Yes, all according to plan.
1: Yeah, and uh, to be fair, uh, Leon doesn't actually solve the medallion puzzle. Uh, It's more Elliot writes down the answers for him.
2: That's true. He's just kind of given the solution and figures out that he has to do what Elliot told him, essentially.
1: Yeah. I think, canon-wise, the only puzzles that actually get solved by Leon specifically would be uh, the herbicide uh, puzzle, where you have to do the mixing. Yep. And... Actually, that might just be it. Well, I guess uh, the uh, he... the lock puzzle with the chess pieces.
2: Uh, yeah, I was going to say, that one, the chess pieces that are, like, fuses or whatever. Are, are also, we like counting
1: this. hitting uh, Birkin with uh, a moving crane during a fight as a puzzle?
2: I'm willing to.
1: That's another puzzle, then.
2: So he solves a couple puzzles. He brute forces that puzzle.
1: <laughs> he brute forces a lot of puzzles.
2: And, I mean, he does also solve the puzzle of what are my, coworkers, uh, my dead co-workers' first names. Like... I understand that's not a hard puzzle, but that is technically another puzzle that he solves. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, in his playthrough, Marvin's still alive when you solve this one. True. Unless he left it.
2: Yeah, but it's not like he went back and was like, Yo, Marvin, what are the names of my coworkers so I can get this gun attachment that will be extremely helpful during the zombie apocalypse? He...
1: (laughs) i can i can can just tell you the code if you'd like it's not a problem no 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 i gotta solve this myself gotta learn everyone's name
2: so uh all of your friends who are dead what were their names please i want to see what you guys got me (laughs) i want to decide if we're going to be friends or not
0: so during leon's time exploring the mansion we finally encounter mr x
1: no, I do want to clarify that at no point in the games he's referred to as Mister X. Uh, it's purely something that came from the uh, S. D. Perry book novelizations of it, where he kind mm-hmm. of had to, like the characters had to kind of call it something because they didn't know it was a tyrant. So I believe it's Claire specifically that refers to him as Mister X.
3: Yeah,
0: and until you clarified that for me, I had no idea where they got the name for him either.
1: Yeah, well, the community's pretty much adopted it as well. Mm-hmm. He's actually Tyrant 002.
0: Yeah. He's also. One of two Tyrants. Train of Hats. One of, was he two, one of two Tyrants sent into Raccoon City?
1: I mean, there's was like eight or so Tyrants that are in Raccoon City during this event. Okay. But I believe. That, I know. Yeah, it's a Tyrant Type 02, so it's the second generation of Tyrant.
0: Okay, because I know there's him in uh, Resident Evil 2. And then there was also Nemesis from Resident Evil 3.
1: So Nemesis is kind of a tyrant, but not exactly.
2: He's a fan of stars, is what he is. That's why he's always shouting about them.
0: (laughs) He just wants an autograph. He doesn't know how to ask properly, though.
2: I would be willing to believe that, honestly.
1: (laughs) Uh, So we're just going to assume that he got really shy when he killed Brad? Yeah. Give me yours. Oh, no, I don't know what to say.
2: The entire reason he uses a rocket launcher is just because he is nervous about getting close to them, so he actually tapes paper and a pen to the rocket every time and has yet to figure out the fact that the rockets explode on contact.
1: I can buy it. Also, we're saying him when Nemesis, I believe, is canonically a
2: girl. You're right, it was. Oh, I did not know that.
1: I don't know about the remake because they don't really give the details about it anymore. But in three, you can find a lot of documentation. Yeah.
2: Hmm. I keep saying him because, and this is not where I should be getting my canon from. <laughs> I uh, know
1: exactly where you're going.
2: The Resident Evil movies—that's where I was getting my canon from, and it is absolutely him in those ones. Uh, Jill's old partner, I believe, is the one who is made into it.
1: No, it's the yeah. the guy from the first movie that escaped with Alice.
2: Right. The two of us. I knew it was fucking someone.
3: Oh, yeah.
0: Now we've got uh, Mr. X chasing after Leon for pretty much the remainder of his playthrough. Through the police station and into the sewers and into the uh, umbrella facility when uh, they finally get to the police station and. He teams up with Ada to get to the root of the problem.
1: Leon teams up with Ada, or Mr. X teams up with Ada? Because he (laughs) left it a little ambiguous with that explanation.
0: Leon S. Kennedy teams up with Ada.
2: Another one of the situations where I would not put it past uh, Ada to team up with uh, Mr. X.
1: Well, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but uh, Mr. X has a chip in his head that he's being controlled.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then for the final boss fight, the chip's gone, so it's like you're fighting like just the enraged pure tyrant.
2: Mm-hmm. Fair enough.
0: Like his his limiter is gone, or something like that.
1: That's also why he gets the giant claw hand. Classic tyrant move.
2: So, anyways, we uh, escape with Ada into the <laughs> city. Well, yes, I and... think
1: I enjoy about the, like the when you're fighting stay off against Tyrant for the last time when you get the power working in the card is that Ada drives the truck into it and it starts moving and she's like, oh God, nothing stays dead down here. And then yep. she just detonates the truck.
0: <laughs> Blows it up. Just walks away. He's like, yeah, I know it's not dead. This will buy us sometime at least.
1: I think Ada's the only person that's, like, stayed calm through every single incident within Resident Evil.
2: (laughs) There's a reason she's my favorite character. It has nothing to do with what you just said, but there is a reason. Calm, cool, and collected.
1: Yeah, uh, Leon uh, and Ada end up making their way into the sewer system, passing through Kendo's gun shop. And this version Kendo has a daughter and doesn't get ripped apart by zombies as far as we can see, as he does in the original version.
0: It was a very touching and sad moment with his infected daughter.
1: Little fun fact, uh, Kendo's the one who made the samurai edge gun that all the stars have. Nice! Oh. And uh, after he dies, his brother, uh, Joseph Kendo? Yeah, Joseph Kendo, uh, who did not live in Raccoon City, uh, ends up continuing making them for the surviving stars members.
2: Hmm. Nice. We. Oui.
0: Then we continue our way into the sewers. Leon makes a witty remark about how the evil scientists live in the sewers, or their secret lab is in the underbelly, the dark, dirty underbelly of Raccoon City.
1: They truly are a residence of evil.
0: Uh, also, alligators are a thing now. Yeah, a big, giant, mutated sewer crocodile.
1: I mean, those are always in the series. I don't, yes. think, I don't think the T-Virus had anything to do with this,
0: honestly.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, uh, by alligators are a thing now, I didn't mean because of the events of the game they now exist. I just mean they are now a thing that exists in the game. They have been introduced as a concept in the game.
1: And then quickly unintroduced.
2: By explosions.
0: Very cinematic, but anticlimactic chase sequence where you just blow it up at the end.
1: It's kind of similar how you'd kill it in the original version. You had to drop the canister and then run through a corridor, and then when it chased mm. you after you would turn around and shot it.
2: I did prefer that one because it felt more so like you were actually beating the alligator, whereas this version, not that it's worse or anything, but it plays out more like you're just surviving the alligator and you happen to end up killing it. Uh,
1: so, uh, a little fun story because this, this is one moment when I was playing Resident Evil that I'll never forget. But in that alligator fight, uh you can actually miss the switch uh that drops the canisters but uh i hit the switch and i was running and uh because you know you see the switch they just pull it and i was kept running i was like oh no like i what am i gonna do i'm gonna get like stuck down here and i hit a dead end as the alligators go around the corner but the camera angle you can't see what's going on so i just turned around and unloaded my gun and i emptied the whole goddamn clip and i was like oh where's the alligator and i went back and it already died
0: (laughs) nice (laughs) Did the original have tank controls just like Resident Evil 1?
1: Uh, Resident Evil had tank controls up until 4. Ah. And 4 also had tank controls, kind of.
0: Not a fan of tank controls. I much appreciate the design direction that they took with the remake.
2: That's fair. Well, you're definitely in the minority, because some Resident Evil fans are such a big fan of tank controls that the fucking board games include a way to play with tank controls now, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. <clears throat> and sure, I understand the whole setup with the tank controls and fixed camera angles. It helps build a sense of tension. Oh, definitely. But, ugh, just so awkward. I remember my first time trying to play Resident Evil 1. I had a hard time getting even to the save machine or the typewriter to save
1: yeah sure that was it matt it was the tank controls that made it hard for you to play that game no i got it
0: i got to past the type i got past the typewriter to the first hallway where i saw a shadow and then shut off the game <laughs> but no that was my first time experiencing tank controls and i did not like it
1: that's most of the old horror games though it was just part of the theme of like if you're making mm-hmm. a horror game like that you had tank controls and fixed camera angles Lone in the dark uh silent hill kind of
2: Well, to be fair, a lot of that stuff... Like, yes, it was a choice, but it was less so about the atmospheric at first and more so about limitations of the fucking times. Like, the classic example is the Silent Hill Fog was just to reduce the render distance, so it didn't have things popping Mm -hmm. in. But the fixed camera angles on the original Resident Evil games was less so about being atmospheric and more so because that way they could have drawn backgrounds and not have to worry about how they look from different angles if they have very fixed camera angles. And so each room you only really get to see from one angle, then they can just make a point of drawing it from that angle, and it looks all right, and doesn't have to worry about being rotated or anything like
3: that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah and that was... Uh, Code Veronica was the first one that had fixed angles, I believe, but also didn't have
2: drawn backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a solid choice, I guess. I mean, at that point, it was entirely for uh, aesthetic reasons and having Boy. to do with how the game felt.
1: That's how they played. It wasn't until like the second generation of Resident Evil games, which was 4 to 6, where they completely changed up the formula.
2: But yeah, they decided to make it a little bit more action-heavy and less of what it had been. So anyways... Yeah. We adventure through the sewers for a while and eventually make our way into
0: We encounter
2: a net What kind of net?
0: A net A net, the name I guess A scientist with a gun that tries to shoot Ada but uh, Leon protects her and gets shot instead
2: yeah. Once again, the way you phrase it, you make it sound like Annette's not trying to yeah, shoot Ada, but the gun is trying to shoot Ada.
1: <laughs> yeah, and th- that's pretty much exactly what happens in the original game too. Okay. Yeah. Annette from the very beginning knows Ada's uh, like someone here, there to steal the G virus.
3: hmm
2: And she's right. Yep. Leon doesn't know it, but uh, Annette is 100% accurate.
1: Yeah, and it's not known at this point, but she works for the same organization that Wesker is betraying Umbrella for.
2: Mm-hmm. Good old Wesker. Ain't nobody got something negative to say about him.
1: Actually, she specifically works for Wesker later on, too.
2: Oh, I forgot about that.
1: And on a haha double-cross Wesker, but actually does legitimately give him viruses. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is true. When you say she gives him viruses, it does have that connotation of she doesn't like Wesker. When in reality, she's still pretty cool with Wesker. Yeah, with Leon out of
0: commission for now, we get to play as Ada. Doing a little bit of uh, chasing after Annette through the sewers, doing some hacker, hacker business with her hacker gun.
1: Yeah, the EMF gun. it's the gun feels so out of place for this game <laughs> yeah it does
2: it's very much so the kind of detail that feels like they were thinking about it, like this would be cool and then didn't remember what game they were making and put it in
1: anyways this is umbrella Re- uh, this is uh resident evil revelations too right i
0: was like uh we need to do we need to put in a part with ada but uh We don't want her to feel like she fights nearly as much as Leon S. Kennedy. So what do we do? Uh, mm mm-hmm. Let's let's give her some technology. Let's
1: give her a gun. Okay, you're going at the wrong angle. But it only affects electronics. Go on.
2: Also, that's ridiculous, because there's no way Ada fights less than Leon. Leon might, like, perform gunplay on the regular as part of being a cop. Ada fucking fights in the streets on a fucking daily basis. But they didn't want to acknowledge that.
0: Mm -hmm. So Ada goes through, almost gets burned alive, but gets out of the incinerator just in time. Only to be shoved into a pile of garbage and get a spike through her leg.
1: Classic Ada.
2: Classic Ada.
0: And then we shift back to Leon, who's wondering where Ada is. Because he
2: just woke up. Wearing Ada's jacket.
1: And he looks fabulous.
2: But to be fair, when does Leon not look fabulous?
1: Uh, Oh, he is kind of just literally covered in shit at the end of the game.
2: Touche, I take back my
1: comment. Yeah, so we get like the sewer part of the game, which... This one feels like it was a, a bit shortened compared to what the original game was. Well, actually, this whole back half seems a bit shorter than the original game was. We don't get the moth fight.
2: Yeah, it seems a lot more focused on the PlayStation portion and a lot less focused on what's going on in the later portions.
0: Yeah, Well, there doesn't seem to be much in terms of plot development anyway in the sewers. So they probably just felt in order to get... Like in the remake anyway, the best cinematic experience they possibly could. They wanted to focus more on the scenes in the police station and then get to the laboratory.
1: To be fair, that is the iconic thing that most people would recognize. The police station, not so much the labs. Although, like, actually the train from the end of Resident Evil 2, uh, I think a lot of people also would associate heavily with the game.
2: Yeah, that's one that people are going to fucking remember.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Resident Evil 0, it's the train the at the beginning resident evil one it's the mansion two it's the police station and uh the train and then three is a bit of a weird one i think most people remember the clock tower fondly but there's a lot of interesting stuff in there i i personally remember the hospital the most
2: Uh, i say fondly is a choice of a word for the clock tower but i i suppose i agree i remember the clock tower I just would not use the word fondly to describe how I remember it.
1: And then for code Veronica, everyone mm-hmm. remembers that laugh from Alfred.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: oh, I didn't remember, but now I do.
0: I never heard it, but now I do want to.
2: A teaser next <laughs> Halloween's
1: Resident <laughs> Evil game we're playing. <laughs>
0: So well, yeah, after all that sewer nonsense, Leon catches up and saves Ada, and they follow Annette into the nest, which is the laboratory deep underneath Raccoon City.
1: Yeah, yeah this is the spot that's definitely a lot smaller than what it was in the original game. Uh, there was like three levels and like a bunch of different things you had to go through here. Uh, mm-hmm. My boy the moth uh, was so unjustly cut from the game.
2: As well, he should have been.
1: Definitely not. Bring back Moth. Moth DLC for Resident Evil 2 Remake, even though it's been out for like four years now.
2: You know what our fans are like, you can't keep saying that word in this podcast. It's only gonna cause problems for us.
1: DLC? I'm still.
2: Sure, I refuse to say the word myself, so oh, okay. yeah, let's go with
3: DLC.
0: <laughs> I'm still waiting for the uh, Demon Souls DLC of the uh, Archstand of Giants. Someday. Someday. It'll happen.
1: Uh, And then, uh, obviously, Leon's story ends with the best fight, as well as the best Countdown to Detonation music.
2: Oh, yeah, that's true. That music is fucking great.
0: Yeah, he goes through the lab, gets the uh, antidote to the virus. Him grabbing the antidote triggers self-destruct to the lab, and then he has to escape.
2: Is he grabbing the antidote or the virus itself? He grabs the virus sample.
1: It's Claire. Right. Right. Yeah,
2: Claire gets the antidote because she wants to cure Sherry Birkin. Right. Uh, But yes, grabbing the virus causes the self-destruct to initiate. Uh, We get some badass (laughs) escape alive music. And then we have the most fun fight, which is uh, T-Mutant having taken off the uh, lag weights, now fully fighting fucking Leon.
0: Shirt off. Muscles out. One on Rippling body. 1v1 me, bro.
1: Trying to penetrate Leon.
2: And in our playthrough, he succeeded.
1: At least yes. once. <laughs> uh, that, that, that did not hit me, though.
2: No, it absolutely didn't hit you, but <laughs> you think fucking Mr. X is waiting for you to confirm whether or not you've been hit? If he feels you've been hit, he's going to fucking kill you.
1: That's true. And then he hops on the train and has like the, oh, I remember Ada, the good times. (laughs) And that's the end of side A, as Leon.
2: And we get into side B as Claire. Side's a little bit shorter.
0: Uh, Yeah, a little shorter. And uh, you pointed out that if you play one side, the other side is missing items that you've already picked up on side A.
1: Uh, I don't so think the do case specifically w- for this one. Yeah,
0: not, yeah, not, that not was in this the game, but the in, original. Original. Yeah, yeah, in the original.
1: Yeah, it's not original.
0: done in this game.
1: Yeah, uh, the weapons locker, uh, the machine gun is available for both characters, uh, and then there's another item. I can't remember what it was. But anyways, uh, the machine gun and another item are available in the weapons locker, and you can take one of them and you have to leave the other one.
0: Uh, wasn't it a hip pouch or something?
1: In the board game, it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Uh, there's a, there is, is a situation part is where, l- uh yeah. items picked up or things done in the A route will affect things happening in the B route. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And uh, this is, like, my one major qualm with the game is that it doesn't really make that much sense because it seems... Well, sure, you need the puzzles to be in place for another playthrough because you don't want to have every door already opened for you. But at the same time, like if the doors are all still locked, why aren't you running into any signs of Leon being there already?
3: Because
2: yeah, the Leon you- was smart and locked the doors behind himself to keep the uh, zombies out.
1: Yeah, the only thing you really get indication that he's been there is there's two or three points in the game where he leaves you a note.
2: Yeah. There's also the fact that Marvin's dead this time. That's true. Side
0: B, he, even leaves her, he even leaves her note in the Star's office, I'm pretty sure. With Chris's desk nearby.
1: Still haven't found your brother. Don't know what his name is, though. Or what he looks like.
2: Do you see this desk, though? This guy has the same last name as you. I think you told me your Maybe it didn't. I'm going to assume it's Redfield, though.
1: <laughs> Sorry, your brother died. His name was Marvin. He's in the main hall.
2: I mean, for all Leon knows. Yeah, Claire
0: goes through pretty much the same puzzles and trials that uh, Leon did, except with the added bonus of meeting Sherry, the little girl, who Uh, we don't know much about at the moment.
1: Now, one thing I I do want to point out is that if you're doing Claire a route, uh, Marvin does specifically say, oh, you're as tough as your brother. He's on vacation right now, though. He's not in Raccoon City. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah
2: thank god he's dead in the beaver which is the canonical route because then claire never gets to know the truth
1: yeah uh for claire's route uh birkin is more of an aggressive pursuer i guess is the best way to put it uh Mm -hmm. even though birkin five is the big end of the whole game on the train fight claire's final boss fight set up in the game is against birkin four uh, just yeah. to kind of the equivalent to uh, Leon's being tyrant so where Leon fights mm-hmm. tyrant her kind of antagonist to the story is Birkin because of the fact that her story is so tied to Sherry.
3: Yeah
2: Yeah, it makes sense her story is all about uh, saving Sherry so Birkin is chasing after her whereas Leon's story is a lot more about figuring out what's going on and trying to stop it which is why the tyrant is coming after him because the tyrant has specific goals to cover up what's happening and kill anyone in the RPD.
1: Yeah, anyone who is uh, able to be a witness, essentially.
2: Yeah. Which, I mean, Leon didn't witness it happening, but he's sure as shit looking into the uh, events. I mean, I guess he was a witness to that helicopter crashing.
0: Yeah, and Mr. X did not like uh, that judging of his piloting skills.
2: The idea that Mr. X was the pilot of the helicopter and after it crashed, because you do walk right up to the helicopter after it crashes, so the idea that Mr. X was just sitting in there just waiting for Leon to walk away so that he could come out and not cause a big fucking scene. It's like, don't look inside, don't look inside. He was very inside. embarrassed
1: that he crashed the helicopter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh no, what am I I'm gonna, going to I'm going to wait stuff. for him to walk away, I'm going to go out, I'm going to get some clean clothes, find a nice little hat, there will be no way to prove that I'm the one who crashed that helicopter.
1: I could have been a helicopter pilot, does this look like a helicopter pilot costume?
2: I'm more of like a noir police detective. Huh, I'm investigating.
1: PI. Uh, see, I'm a police officer, just like you.
2: We are friends, yes? Now, get into the end of my gun barrel. I don't have guns on me. Uh, stand close so I can punch you real hard.
0: Meet my fist. I have a mighty strong right hook.
1: If your health is low enough when he grabs it, he just crushes your skull.
2: That sounds like a strong right hook to me.
1: Uh, In the original Resident Evil 2 game, uh, there's actually a cutscene of him showing up, uh, which is him being dropped from a helicopter into the police station. He just kind of slams through the roof.
2: I believe it. That seems like a thing that would happen with him.
1: Where in this version, he just kind of, he's there.
2: Yeah. So yeah, anyways, with Claire, we kind of discussed that a lot of the puzzles end up being the same, but... Kind of told in a slightly different order because you do have access to different keys and shit like that. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. Everyone had fun.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like Claire Until really Irons did. comes out.
1: <laughs> yep. Brian Irons.
2: That's true. This is the point there where we actually get to see that he's kind of a huge tool. And by tool, I mean major villain. Tool was way too downplaying of his role in this society.
1: If anything, he gave my compliment he was useful
2: and that's one way i would never want to describe brian irons also known as brian Brian's. sorry i'll never try that again
0: <laughs> yeah he comes into scene seeming somewhat nice but then takes a quick quick 180
1: I mean, it would have been so much easier for him if you was just like, Yes, I'm the police chief. Let's go get you to your mother. Thank you, random citizen. Have a good day.
3: Yeah.
2: I will be looking after this uh, child unit from this point forwards.
1: I know her mother. I am taking her to her now.
2: Her mother is Annette Birkin. Uh, she created the G-Virus and may or may not have injected this child with it. It'll be all be okay.
1: Well, Annette didn't inject her with it.
2: I know, I just, she got the g virus. Irons probably doesn't know how it happened. I would say so.
1: And Irons
0: probably doesn't
2: care.
1: I mean, he does. He wants the necklace thing specifically to try to stop his death. Hmm. As a bargaining chip, essentially.
2: Yeah. And That's it works good. out. He uh, doesn't die that way. Yeah. So he takes Cherry.
0: Has Sherry tie up in a little zip tie, Claire, and escapes through the parking garage door.
1: I can also only assume that uh, Claire specifically goes after Irons not to save Sherry, but because the Chief of Police should know where Chris is.
0: Yep. Yeah, you'd you'd think that would be one of the things you'd want to ask him.
1: If you don't want Sherry to be dead, bring me the pendant. How about you tell me where Chris is and I'll bring you the pendant?
2: I'll exchange Sherry for the pendant. What if you exchange information on my brother for the pendant, and you also just get to keep holding on to Sherry? That's fine by me. Like you said, you know her
0: mother. Except you, you didn't it? say that, because you're not that smart.
1: Could you imagine the whole scenario of like them just trying to like get rid of Sherry on either side?
2: <laughs> Neither one of them wants to actually be responsible for looking after Sherry. Meanwhile, Sherry's just caught between the two of them crying. This is getting this
1: is surreal. just like my home life.
2: <laughs> this is legitimately just my child. <laughs> I don't like this joke anymore. Sort of some cool yeah. moments from Claire's playthrough. There's the part where we get to see the tyrant ripped in fucking half. Well, not ripped in half, but having a solid sixth of his body torn away from him.
0: Yep. I still like the whole factor of uh, when Claire is nearly out of the police station and gets contacted once again by Irons to bring the pendant to him. <laughs> She's like, "Where are you? I'm at the orphanage. Where is it?" "Oh, it's around.
1: You'll find it." Now
0: be now be fast. Time Don't is in up here the right away.
1: There's no time for delay. So find the uh, orphanage. It's in the area. It's,
2: it's it's in the city somewhere. Fuck you, Irons, tell me where it is.
0: And I'll be there faster. Like right now even.
3: If
1: it's the orphans you want to see, you must answer my riddles three.
2: Riddle the first. Ah, acid all over my face! Yeah, he gets acid thrown. It wasn't. I feel like it was acid. Yeah, I
1: I think. I think it was embalming fluid.
2: I guess that
0: makes sense.
2: sense. I I don't know that it does because they're still in an orphanage. And why did the orphanage have jars of embalming fluid?
1: Uh, Because they were also experimenting on children. Fair. The orphanage is owned by Umbrella. Uh, makes sense. The yeah, the, the notes that she's reading from the children when you're playing the Sherry part is you escape uh, outlines all the stuff about how uh, they were experimenting on children.
2: Oh, I assumed those notes were written by children after Irons used the orphanage as a secret place for murdering children because that's the kind of person that Irons is. That is fully how I interpreted those notes, but I suppose it makes more sense if that's where just Umbrella was testing on orphans. What a good company.
0: (laughs) Kind of funny how the orphanage and the police department are both side by side right on top of uh, the entrance to Umbrella's lab.
3: Yep.
1: Probably coincidence. That's a very big trend within the Resident Evil universe.
2: (laughs) If ever anything's happening above ground, you sure shit know that there's something secret happening below ground.
1: Mansion? Lab underneath. Train? Lab underneath for some reason. Hospital, lab underneath. Prison island, lab underneath.
2: Village, lab underneath.
1: Small Spanish village, lab underneath. (laughs) Actually, that one was lab on island.
2: Yeah, that one wasn't quite lab underneath.
0: House in the middle of woods in the middle of nowhere? Surprisingly, lab underneath. And mines. That's true.
2: I don't know why you said surprisingly, Matthew. Lab underneath has been the answer to every single question so far. Should not be surprising that it was also the answer to that.
0: But yeah, we get a little bit of Sherry trying to escape irons. And that comes to an end when Sherry's dad comes to uh, pick her up. Quote unquote. Doesn't actually pick her up.
3: No. I
2: mean, he does collect... Well, he doesn't even collect her. He, he does he, stop he irons from hurting her.
0: He opens the way for her.
2: Yeah. Also, another thing we should mention is the interesting locking mechanism that Irons used on the front of the orphanage, which raises so many questions about what his plans (laughs) for Claire were and also how he did it in the first place. Because uh, while Sherry's trying to escape, she discovers that the front door to the orphanage is locked. So she has to collect a key from Irons to unlock the door. When she does open the door... It's immediately revealed that the door is chained from the outside. So, what the fuck, Irons? That's Um, that's my entire question, is just what the fuck, Irons?
0: (laughs) Somehow he was both inside and outside at the same time. Yeah,
1: he managed to lock it with chains from the inside, but then expected Claire to get inside somehow as well. Unless he was like, okay, now pass the locket through the door, and then I'll pass the girl through the hole.
0: I don't think she can fit through the door.
2: (laughs) I know what I said. That does kind of seem like what he would do. I take back my complaints.
1: Classic Irons
2: maneuver.
0: And then Jill makes her way, I guess, into the orphanage. Sees Irons die with a chest burster. Courtesy of Billy Birkin.
1: It's a G embryo.
0: And then finds the secret passage that Sherry used to escape that was opened probably by William Birkin uh, into the sewers and the tunnels leading to the lab. Coincidence? I think not.
2: I think yes. So yeah, we get
0: to the... Of course, rehashed uh, sewers and lab experience. Except this time, no self-destruct sequence initiated by obtaining the piece of, well, the particular item that you're in search of in said lab.
1: Yeah, she goes and ends up unlocking it, so you find out, oh, the reason that the thing was, as Leon put it, that was easy when he gets the virus. It's because Claire did all the hard work of unlocking it.
0: Yeah. Except Claire had the authorization via the key she used to open the door to take out the the vaccine. Well,
2: the vaccine being removed doesn't trigger anything.
0: Uh, right. It's
2: they don't care if someone finds a cure to their virus. They only care if someone finds their virus. Well, here's the other thing.
1: Removing the virus triggers a self-destruct sequence, but Birkin was in that room, got shot, injected himself with the virus, after the hunk unit, left with the virus, and I guess, what, the third time someone leaves the virus, it's like, okay, this is enough. Let's blow up the building.
3: Yeah.
2: I think it's... I, I, I could be wrong. I'm willing to accept that. But I assume it was... After they managed to successfully steal the virus, and also Birkin managed to inject himself with the virus, Annette, while the city was burning down around her, was just like, I should probably set up some safekeeping so if anyone else tries to take the last remaining virus, uh, we blow this building to the ground so that what's currently happening doesn't happen again. It was a Mm -hmm. little bit of trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube, but that is how I assume that played out.
0: Or who knows, you know, there's a giant, quote-unquote, sinkhole in front of the police station. So maybe part of the lab did get self-destructed.
1: <laughs> I think that sinkhole was there before that things started happening. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> people reference it in the thing, including uh, yeah. Ben in his tape recording, which clearly goes on before the virus outbreak. It, it indicates the giant hole. Yeah. yeah uh, the big difference here is... Uh, Claire does get self-destruct music. It's more of like a soft violin piece, or a piano piece, I guess.
3: Yeah,
2: Yeah, it's not quite the same. I will still say that that piano riff is pretty fucking fire, though.
1: Oh, it's just not as good as the Leon one.
2: Oh, yeah, it's not as good, but it's still very good.
1: Yeah, but uh, she goes to start the train to get out of there, which Leon jumps into later, and they end up fighting Birkin Stage 4 uh, on the train. Or the train elevator. Well, on the
2: elevator that's carrying the train to the tracks. And then they, uh... Yeah, she she kills Birkin 4. Uh And they... Kills him dead. Get on the train, and she discovers Leon, and it's a happy reunion. There's no more bosses to fight, because they've killed the two big bosses in their two most recent fights.
1: What's that? Knock, knock, knock. Birkin 5.
2: Nothing stays dead.
1: To be fair, uh, the G virus specifically is known for its regenerative properties. Yeah, yeah,
2: which comes into play in the future with Sherry, because as we said, she has been uh, injected with the G virus and then, like, air quotes, cured, but she still has the regenerative properties for the rest of her. Yeah,
1: in Resident <laughs> Evil Six, it's uh, secret agent Sherry Birkin with like healing factor.
2: Yeah. So yeah, uh, we are being chased on a train that's being slowly devoured by Birkin 5. We also get a fun detail of, during a cutscene here, of a wall of fire being, from the explosion, uh, chasing after the train as well. I use the word chasing even though, let's just... I not think that I think fire has sentience or something like that. Although maybe it does. It's fucking Resident Evil. Who, who's going to say they can't? Train <laughs> is escaping from an encroaching wall of fire.
1: Uh, oh no, uh, the fire has been injected with the T-virus.
2: Like, if they make that a plot point in Resident Evil 10, I'm not going to quit. <laughs>
3: um,
2: but the thing about it is is that presumably the fire that is, the wall of fire that's uh, chasing them is the front of the explosion from the self-destructing building behind them. And the way explosion works means that that wall of fire that's traveling roughly in pace with the fucking train is traveling at the speed of sound, which means that Birkin chugging along behind the train is also traveling at roughly the speed of sound, and it's all fucking horrifying once you start to think about it that way.
0: And the train is also moving at roughly the speed of sound.
2: Yeah. God, those are horrifying metrics to consider.
1: But not too horrifying for Resident Evil to tackle.
2: Of course not, not the series that will at some point in the future give Fire the power of sentience through, probably the F virus at that point. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you kind of, it feels weird to describe this one as a boss fight because it's mostly just you unloading all of the ammo you have until you trigger a cutscene where in the cutscene, uh, you kill Birkin Five. Well, you you don't
0: really kill him; you stab him in the eye. Because all he is is a mouth and an eye now, pretty much. Consuming the entire train, so you detach the train car that he's part of, and that slowly gets consumed by the explosion.
2: Yep. Science. And then
0: you find we find ourselves out in the desert somewhere.
1: Uh, so, the, here's where some of the weird continuity stuff starts happening with it, because in this game, there's a mode called the fourth survivor. Uh so one of the hunk units did get out the one known as the Grim Reaper. Uh escaped the city uh with the virus sample. Uh he this guy works specifically for Umbrella so he got the sample to Umbrella. Mm-hmm. And he's called the fourth survivor. And it's like, oh there was only four survivors. And then there's Ada.
2: Yeah, cuz like canonically the three survivors that makes him the fourth would be Claire, Leon and Sherry. So
0: he's the fourth, but then Ada's the fifth. Well, no, I but, like,
1: the indication is that there's only four survivors, but the mm. game itself also is like, hey, Ada lived.
2: I prefer to think of it as Ada's actually the zeroth survivor because of how <laughs> Resident Evil likes to number things.
1: To be fair, Resident Evil Zero was called as such because it came out much later in the franchise.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm not disagreeing. Also, having zeroth terms is just a thing we do in mathematics sometimes. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with calling her the zeroth survivor. I'm just saying, that's how I'm choosing to think of it, is she's just the zeroth survivor.
0: (laughs) She's the first survivor, yet no one realized that she was alive until later.
2: Yeah, I I mean, that actually does make sense, because she was probably the first to leave that building. That's true. Because,
1: yeah, in the the story, she has, like, that sad goodbye moment with uh, Leon and where she just kind of drops. Uh, now, if you played Dark Side Chronicles, you find out that uh, Ada has a grappling hook that she uses for fucking everything. So she actually lives because she grapple hooks and then lands at the bottom and gets the virus sample. But then on her way out, she also chucks the rocket launcher to Leon to kill the tyrant.
2: Yeah, to even mm-hmm. out the score.
1: Uh, in the original PlayStation version of this, though, the best part about it is It's just Ada's character model, but it's black. Like, it's pure black. That throws the (laughs) rocket launcher down and says, Hey, use this! Fucking hell. But Leon's still surprised in Resident Evil 4, which would be the canon conclusion of the PlayStation version of Resident Evil 2, that she comes back in 4. It's like, Ada, you're alive!
2: Who the fuck yelled at you and threw the rocket launcher? (laughs) (laughs) A shadow monster, that's who!
0: Maybe it was Jill. Or not Jill. Uh, Claire. That's the one.
1: Well, Claire was driving the train. Jill was unconscious in the hospital.
0: Yeah, well, Leon doesn't know that Claire is driving a train right now.
1: He wouldn't know in the moment he got on the train.
0: Yeah, but at the point where he got the rocket launcher, he didn't know.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying. Leon, Leon should have figured out that Ada was alive.
0: Yeah.
2: Maybe he's not a good detective.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think we already discovered that when Keith pointed out Like, the only puzzle he canonically solved was his desk puzzle.
2: (laughs) He also is not a great detective, but he is apparently a great fucking chemist slash microbiologist or whatever, because he did also whip up that serum to kill all the plants entirely on his lonesome.
1: I mean, to give this man credit, he does become secret agent Leon S. Kennedy.
2: Yeah, that is also Hmm. true. I guess he gets
0: a little bit more smarts down the line.
1: He actually gets very flirty and becomes a superhero, pretty much. What? Yeah.
0: Yep! He
1: just flips and has knife fights with people.
0: I'm intrigued now. As you should be. When does this happen?
1: Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil
2: 6.
0: Okay. I'm going to have to look this up.
1: Probably should.
2: Well then... Was there anything else we wanted to talk about for the game specifically?
3: Yeah, because
0: not that I can think of. We ran through pretty much the entire game there.
3: Yeah.
0: Unless there were any other comparisons that needed to be drawn between the remake and the original.
1: No, overall, like it was a really good remake. There were some things left out, but ultimately, I think that's more to keep a theme to the remake that wouldn't have been possible. Because there's a bit of right. like, again, Resident Evil is kind of a campy franchise up to this point. So, like, there's ridiculous things like fighting a giant moth and stuff like that, right? I'm not going to let it go. But <laughs> this one goes for more of like the gritty type of feel of it. Because it, as gritty as you would like Resident Evil to be, having the giant moth fly around where you have to shoot it down while it sprinkles poison dust on top of you, I feel like does not keep the same theme of dread that the rest of the game has.
0: Yeah, no. Going to the third-person, non-fixed camera angle view, kind of more cinematic style that the remake went, I don't think funny flying moth with poison fit into their M.O. Exactly.
2: I don't think you fit into their M.O. I don't know why I got hostile there. I'm sorry, man.
0: I mean, there's a reason I'm not in the game. (laughs) Too handsome.
1: That's definitely not a problem.
0: Too many polygons.
1: That
2: might be a problem.
1: That, that's probably... A, that. If there was a problem, it's going to be <laughs> that.
2: Yeah. Alright, so recommendations then?
0: Yeah, I think that's about time for recommendations.
2: Hold what on. you got for us, Matt?
0: I have, for recommendation, the new Metroid game that recently came out, Metroid Dread. Because, uh... I always thought Metroid to be on the little darker side of uh, Nintendo's games with its settings and its, I guess, exploration into these unknown alien planets. Metroid Dread even more so because there are several instances where you encounter these machines that hunt you relentlessly and... You have little to no way of actually killing them or defending against them. Your only option is to run and hide.
2: Uh, that sounds legitimately horrifying.
0: Yeah. It, it is. That's all I'm going to say, is that it is stressful. Neat! Also very enjoyable.
2: Those two, uh... Descriptions are usually mutually exclusive. Usually. But you enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoy it. Good. That's all that really matters.
0: Yes. So what about you two? Uh, Peter, you go.
2: Okay. Um, not a direct connection to Resident Evil, but I've decided that doesn't matter to me anymore. I'm just going to start reje- uh, rejecting, recommending things that I enjoy. Uh, and in this case... What I'm recommending is people see the Venom movie, uh, so that I can talk about it. So, see the Venom movie. It's, uh, it's got Woody Harrelson with a different wig than he had in the, uh, trailer, (laughs) or teaser we saw at the end of the original Venom movie. Uh, it's got references to mutants because, while they can't say the word X-Men, they can say the word mutation. So, there's that. Um... No, it's fun. You Hmm. you should see it. I don't want to give details of why you should see it, because we are still within that. It's been roughly two weeks since the movie came out, and Uh, I really shouldn't be spoiling it, but watch the movie so that I can spoil it. Fair. I will keep that in mind.
1: It's got Woody Harrelson. That's all you need to know.
2: Yeah. It's got Woody Harrelson, man. When's he ever done you wrong? And I think we've got one more recommendation to give. Keith? Oh, are you sure about that? Maybe I have one more one.
0: Well, if you've got more than one, I suppose we can make...
2: Uh, if you have more than one, I'm never recording another podcast with you. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: so, my recommendation, because it also came out recently, or it's coming out, is the Alan Wake series. So, Alan Wake game uh, kind of gets the same kind of vibe as the Resident Evil 1, just it's shadow monsters instead of zombies.
0: True.
2: <laughs> Sounds like, dark.
1: Yeah, it's like your Resident Evil style of like, puzzle solving and using things like that, and uh,
2: Having flashlights except, that barely work.
1: Exactly. Except that you could use them really strong. Like, you just get really intense with your flashlight. It drains the battery faster, but it also yep. weakens the shield of the shadow monsters quicker. Just like Resident Evil.
2: Just like Resident <laughs> Evil.
0: <laughs> showing the, your flashlight into Mr. X's eyes, and he gets those little bright spots in his eyes and has to uh, stop and rub them for a little bit.
1: <laughs> okay, so for <laughs> our question from last time. Uh, The question was, what would your dream power be? And we had one response. This one was from Yazoo underscore Rose on Instagram. And it was control everything in the dream. Now, this is something I didn't realize or even think of, but that's literally just the Freddy
2: powers, right? Well, it's literally just the real world thing of lucid dreaming. uh, But maintaining that power during a... uh... Oh God! Why is es- essentially, that being coming? able During to a lucid
0: dream—yeah, dream. essentially being able to lucid dream whenever you want.
1: No, yeah. but the, the thing about this is their powers are unique to dreams specifically. So, controlling your dream is lucid dreaming, yes. But by this power, in the rules established by dream warriors if say she was pulled into someone else's dream, she would also have full control over their dream.
0: Ooh, that's true. Good point.
1: So it's pretty much the Freddy powers.
2: Yeah. A little bit. I I don't remember, so M- maybe please maybe help maybe me remember. More. Did we specify that this dream power had to be related to a power you currently have in dreams, or a power that's somehow related to your real world self?
1: Uh, it was just whatever power you wanted. Uh, I don't have the power to not be embarrassed in public without my pants on.
2: Okay. I was worried that this Yazoo person... Uh, actually has the power to control everything around them in the room. And that's uh, something I would like to be confirmed for me, if it is the case. <laughs> if there's a god on this planet, I would like to know.
0: I think we'll just keep you guessing for now.
2: Cool. Uh, no other answers for that question, though?
1: Nope, that was it. What? So, what question do we have for this one?
2: Let's see, uh what's your favorite
0: in Resident Evil 2 what's your favorite of the boss fights in uh, like I guess both routes because we've got the uh,
1: in the underground parking garage area there's Birkin 2 uh, on the f- crane part Birkin three uh, in the chamber area when you get the virus or the antidote yep Claire has broken 4 uh, on the elevator. And then broken
0: 5 on the train at the end. Yeah,
1: for either one. And then Tyrant boss fight is only Leon's last one on the elevator. Mm-hmm. That's an easy one, though. It's always going to be the uh, Tyrant fight.
2: See, I was going to suggest we have a question of what puzzle should they introduce into the next one, but this boss fight question is pretty good. <laughs> Just a Chinese finger trap that you have to figure out how to solve in the context of a Resident Evil game.
0: I'd like the Birkin 3 fight if uh, when he picked up those flaming canisters to check at you, you could stagger him and make him drop them on himself.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Well, uh, we're going to take a look here, see if anyone has correctly guessed the episode. So, we have two responses on Instagram.
2: Ooh! Uh,
1: First one here we have from uh, Tachi underscore Camargo, and we have two zombie emojis.
2: Two zombie emojis? Is that what you said? Yep. Uh, Well, unfortunately, our topic for today was not two zombie emojis.
1: Wait, there's zombies, and there's two of them. One's a male and one's a female. Interesting.
0: Could be related, but not explicitly said.
1: Resident Evil 2. Two zombies. Two evil residents. (laughs) Claire and Leon Root, male, female. There might be something there, I'm not sure yet. Might be.
0: We'll leave it up to you to decide.
2: I'm gonna get... No, I'm not. I was gonna try and argue that they're technically is T-mutants, or T-virus mutants, Uh, but I don't feel like arguing that right now, so if you guys want to give it to Tachi, then I suppose we can.
1: I need to clarify something here as the big Resident Evil fan of us. They have never once been referenced as T-mutants.
0: Fair. Alright, well with that said, I think uh Oh wait, there's another response, Matt. I said there was two. Oh you did say there was two, didn't Much you? Much like the number of
1: Resident Evil that we followed.
0: Oh. This
1: one is from Hana J underscore thirteen on Instagram. And they said it was Mothman. Oh. He said it's upset about that. <laughs>
0: Man. One of these days I'm hoping that we get a response that uh isn't Mothman.
1: What if we actually do Mothman?
2: We did Mothman! <laughs> it didn't help with the problem!
0: That's how it started, might no, I add. No, it
2: started before we did Mothman. We got Mothman suggestions, and we decided to do Mothman to make the Mothman suggestions stop. And they got worse after we did the Mothman episode.
1: Maybe we just didn't do the right Mothman, and that's it. this is the Eldrick Horror threatening us until we get it right.
2: Oh,
0: maybe we'll have to try again next, Spooktober. Well, with that said, <laughs> I think that I think that brings us to the end of this episode. And this is the last episode of Spooktober, right?
2: Nope, we got one more. Oh, we got one? We got an extra special Spooktober
0: Right, episode. the extra special Spooktober episode. And Sorry,
1: Spookoween. And is it Richard Gere in a movie about Mothman? Who knows? It's not.
0: But yeah, with that, uh, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of What Is My Podcast About? You can find us on all podcast streaming services as well as YouTube. So You can comment, give a like, subscribe, thumbs up, and maybe share our podcast if you enjoyed it and would like to let someone else in on the fun. Or agony, whatever you call it.
1: It's either way at this point. Now, I I do need to fold back the curtains here a little bit just to indicate that the next episode, we do have a Halloween special one coming out on the 31st, but the one we're about to hint is not that episode.
3: Yeah,
2: (laughs) We're going to hint the episode that comes out the day after on the 1st.
1: As part of our normal schedule.
2: Why did we uh, decide to adhere to the schedule? It's already a curse upon my own life. Uh, But yep, that's... To clarify, that is what we will be hinting towards in the future when we hint towards something happening in the future.
1: So, Peter, if you were going to hint at something in the future, what would that sound like?
2: It would probably sound like tune in in a fortnight when we play some childhood games with very, 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 very high stakes. <laughs>